Welcome to the Be Encouraged podcast. I am your host, Jackie Brindle. I am a mom of three, wife, teacher, and I do like to run. Life is busy, but one thing is for certain. With God, nothing is impossible. Hey friend, how's it going? I'm so excited you're back and listening to another episode. And if this is your first time, come on in, welcome, make yourself at home because we are going to have a lot of fun on the podcast today as I sit down and talk with Dr. Janelle Heiserman. She is a survivor of breast cancer, mom of two, wife, and listen up, she's run the Boston Marathon. She has beat so many obstacles in her life and has so much knowledge to encourage us and take a step forward in taking care of ourselves. So without further ado, let's go turn it up, tune in, maybe grab a pen and paper, and let's take some notes as we listen to Janelle's story. Let's go. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. I am so excited for this one. And I know I probably say this for every episode, but I really am as it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and we're just winding down the month of October and 2020. And man, what a year it has been. I have Janelle Heiserman on the other line with me right now, and we are going to go deep into um, making you all aware of Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Hi, Janelle. Hi, Jackie. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And I can't wait for everyone to hear your story and to get to know you because you are just one to um, inspire. Like truly you inspire me. And I can't wait for that to happen to all of our listeners uh, today and really to make them knowledgeable and aware uh, for this crucial um, topic that we have going on today. So would you mind telling uh, everyone a little bit about yourself? And actually, let's get started with an icebreaker here. What is your, I don't know, go-to favorite movie or something that you watched recently that you're like, wow, you guys, this is a good one. Oh, that's a good one. Um, you know, I've seen it a million times, uh, but I watched The Goonies the other night with my kids for the first time. And so it was fun to watch them enjoying one of my favorites. Oh, I love The Goonies. So good. That brings me back. <laughs> I love that. Well, thanks for sharing that. Definitely need to put that on my list. And it's kind of spooky too. So it's almost around Halloween and that would be a good one. (laughs) Um, So I don't know about you, but I am so ready for um, change of seasons and everything like that. And it's change of seasons happen, Janelle. I know uh, sometimes people aren't ready for it, you know? So I'm thinking to myself, uh, I I know you definitely went through – something that you were not ready for. And why don't you go ahead and tell us, though, about your story um, in breast cancer and so on, being diagnosed. So, you know, I'm here today because I really want to um, let people know that breast cancer happens in young women. I think so often people think of it as, you know, an older women's disease or something that we as women don't have to think about until we're in our 50s and 60s and 70s. But, you know, it does happen to young women and it's pretty common. Um, so I was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was 31 years old. Um, and it's it's been a journey, you know, I'm 35 now. So 
I'm, I've gotten through it and I'm a couple years out, which is great. Um, but I was, you know, one of those people who had a really strong family history of breast and ovarian cancer. And I was, when I was in my late to mid, mid to late twenties, um, I kind of had to advocate for myself to be able to get the BRCA test for the BRCA gene, which causes breast and ovarian cancer. So, um, you know, strong family history of breast cancer. My paternal aunt has it, has had it twice and she's beat it twice. She's kind of the ultimate survivor. Um, and when my older cousin at the time she was about 40 was diagnosed, that's really when I thought, you know, what is causing all of this breast cancer in our family? There has to be a link, um, that's causing, you know, the women in our family to suffer so much from breast cancer and ovarian cancer. So I went into my OBGYN and I asked for the BRCA gene and the insurance company, the BRCA gene test, and the insurance company actually turned me down um, because wow. I didn't have a, I didn't have a, a direct relative that had breast cancer. And I'm thinking, well, my aunt's had it twice and she's my dad's twin sister. You know, my cousin has it and my grandmother died of ovarian cancer. So like, at what point don't I have a direct relative? But I had to fight that. And so I appealed the decision and provided them with an actual literal family tree um, of all of the people in my family and the women who have had breast or ovarian cancer. Um, and I actually won my appeal at that point. They said, okay, you can have the test. So I had the test done and I think I was 27 years old. Um, when the results came back, the doctor wouldn't give them to me until the day after Christmas. So I think I actually probably should have known they were coming back positive because mm. no one wants to deliver bad news before Christmas, right? Um, so I go into my you know, meeting with my doctor and she lets me know that I have the BRCA1 gene. And my lifetime risk associated with this specific gene that I, mutation that I had was an 88% lifetime risk of breast cancer and a 41% lifetime risk of ovarian cancer. So like, obviously that's kind of a shock when you're 27 years old. And I made the decision at that point that I, you know, I was just going to do the advanced screenings with the intention of doing the preventative surgeries later down the line. Mm -hmm. um, now I wanted to have children first and I did, they're great. Um, so, uh, but you know, I, I thought I had time. I really did. And, you know, at 31 years old, when my youngest child was, 13 months old. Um, that's when I got diagnosed with breast cancer. Wow. I mean, I'm just sitting back here and going, Oh my gosh, like from the family tree to like everything in between. I mean, I'm sure that what kind of emotions were brought up as you're doing your family tree and you're seeing the pattern of breast cancer from person to person. I mean, and trying to prove to them, like, listen, there's a lot going on here that we need to uncover you know, like what kind of emotions did you feel at that point? So I think it's one of these things where you just trust your gut. Um, I don't know why, but I, I knew I had the gene. I just knew it. I, I, you know, looking back at my family history and the women who have dealt with it, you know, I had just had a really sneaking suspicion that I had it. So I wasn't entirely shocked when I when I was um, given the news that I had the BRCA gene. And like, obviously, it's hard to look at your family members. Um, you know, my aunt has beat it twice and she's doing fantastic. But unfortunately, my cousin who was diagnosed at 40 didn't survive. Um, wow. And so I, you know, I say all the time, I'm here today because of her. 
you know, I probably wouldn't have gotten the BRCA test, you know, even though I had an idea that there was some sort of genetic reason that the women in our family suffer from this. You know, I wouldn't have gotten that test if Stacy weren't diagnosed. Um, and it's because of that test that I was doing advanced screenings. You know, I was getting screened. When, when you have a positive BRCA test, you're able to get screened every six months and you can get a mammogram and MRI is kind of alternating. Um, now, of course, you can't do that while you're pregnant or breastfeeding, so that kind of throws a wrench in everything. Um, but, you know, it was during one of those routine screenings that I had, the MRI, which picks up way more than a mammogram does, um, that they caught my breast cancer very early. Um, and my breast cancer, I, I had larger denser breasts, um, so kind of like the heavy tissue um, that it would, ha would have been very hard to feel a lump because it was so deep inside of my breast, and it may have been years until I found a lump. So I, you know, thankful every day to my cousin and, you know, that it prompted me to get the genetic testing, which prompted me to be more vigilant about my health and get those, you know, biannual screenings and that I caught it so early. Wow, just being proactive in that and being in digging deep, like doing your own research and then going for those detection, um, early detection uh, screenings can really just seem to save your life. Like really, Janelle, like, I mean, Absolutely. like you said, you couldn't even, you would have been years until you felt a lump in your, in your breast, right? Absolutely. I might've been sitting here today, you know, with my old breasts and not knowing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, it's crazy. And it's such a, an eye-opening thing for not just me, but I'm sure everyone else listening here, like this is a, a call for all of us, not only women, but men too. You could definitely be your own advocate as well to get yourselves um, checked and uh, and screened. And, and who knows if you carry genes or not, but I'm definitely encouraged myself just to look through my own family tree and kind of connect some dots um, in my own health uh, records because you're right, you're your own health advocate, right? Right. And I think more what you mean by that. Yeah. And I think it's important too. you know, most women who are diagnosed with breast cancer don't have the BRCA gene, you know, that's, um, you know, a very small percentage of the amount of cases that are diagnosed. So even if you don't have, you know, a family history or you don't get the genetic testing, I think it's really important to still be proactive about your health. Um, so I actually sit on the board of a foundation called Feel Your Boobies, and Feel Your Boobies is actually a national foundation, and we try to spread the message to young women. So we're out on college campuses, um, we're out with, you know, trying to do outreach to more disadvantaged populations, uh, whether that's socioeconomically, um, you know, just kind of speaking to women that you need to kind of understand your breast tissue so that if you, a lump occurs, you know, you know that it's not normal and there's no fancy way to feel your boobies. You know, you don't have to do what the doctors do and do the circular motion with your, you know, one arm up in the air or whatever, you know, just understand your breast tissue, feel around there every once in a while. And if you feel a lump, like get to the doctor and advocate for yourself. You know, if they say, oh, it's just a cyst, you know, like, and you don't feel like it's just a cyst, like press on, make them test it. Um, you know, you have to be your own advocate about your health. Right. And then, okay. So once, let's say, um, you know, let's just say there's a woman here, they're just first diagnosed. Like what's your best advice to somebody who's just found out you know, the worst news of their, like what they feel like is like the worst news ever. Right. Because it just, there's so many emotions. Like, I, I don't know, what are some emotions that you felt the day that you were told, you know, 
Um, and how did you work through that? How did you get beyond that? And where did you go? Where did you start? You know, I can't, I don't even remember the day that I was told. I mean, I vaguely remember bits and pieces, but it, you know, it's such a shock. And even if you have yourself, you think you have yourself prepared for it, you know, again, I think I had a sneaking suspicion once I had to have the biopsy, um, that it was malignant. Um, you know, even if you try to prepare yourself, you really can't. And there's no right way to deal with bad news. Um, you know, if you want to scream, scream. If you want to cry, cry. If you want to go, you know, take an axe and chop down a tree, you know, by all means, <laughs> you know, whatever you need to do um, to, to help cope because it's hard. It's not something you ever want to hear. It's something that makes you face your mortality. And, you know, when you're 31 years old, you shouldn't have to face your mortality. Like, you shouldn't be thinking, like, am I going to survive the next year or two? Am I going to get to see my kids be five, be six, be seven? Um, you know, am I going to get to see them graduate from high school and get married and graduate college and all these awesome things? So it's not something you want to face when you're young. And I think it's it's just really tough. It's tough news to get. And there's there's definitely, like, no right way to handle handle bad news no definitely not you're right it's not one size fits all you know and I think that's okay to be not okay right yep it's absolutely okay to not be okay um and that's something that I'm really like I have trouble with I don't I'm a control freak um <laughs> don't like to ask for help uh I don't I, I feel like I always have to be the strongest person in the room um, so, you know, it was definitely like, that was a challenge too. talk about seasons. Like you definitely had to change how you, how you function almost, um, or you're not going to get through it, or at least I had to. Wow. Yeah. And, and you know what? I think everyone is going to face it, um, their own way. And so listen, if you're going through something, that's okay. You're going to figure out your own footing and you're going to figure that out. What works for you? What doesn't? And I know one thing, um, I admire so much about you is just, uh, you, you got back in, um, you really got into physical activity pretty, I don't know how quickly afterwards, but, um, how has physical activity been a support for you, Janelle, throughout all of this, um, diagnosis and treatment and things like that? Yeah, so I I was a runner kind of prior to kids. <laughs> um, I'll I'll say like I ran a little bit, like five k type running, you know, after having kids. But I definitely wasn't doing marathons or anything. Um, and when I was diagnosed, you know, it's you asked about the diagnosis story. I guess I can tell that. Um, I called my mom, and she didn't answer her phone when I got the bad news. And yeah. then I called my husband and he didn't answer his phone. Of course. <laughs> and so I'm sitting in my office at work and I'm like, I don't know what to do. So like the control freak in me is like, well, the, I'll be practical. I'll call my boss and I'll tell him that I'm going to miss some work. <laughs> and so I pick up the phone and I call my boss and, um, you know, I had a, an interim boss at the time. He was kind of just in the position holding it until they put a permanent person in place. And he was an avid runner. Um, and he said, don't worry, you'll be running the Boston Marathon with me in no time. And I kind of laughed at him. I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I tried to run through treatment. That wasn't something that was possible. Um, you know, in the depths of my treatment, I would try to get on the treadmill. And of course, my treadmill has one of those little tracks that, you know, blink as you go around it. And, you know, I couldn't run 100 yards. And so there was like no way I ever thought I would run a marathon. Um, 
And so uh, after treatment, you know, my boss is like, okay, start running. <laughs> wow. So, um, and so my, it, it, he's now my former boss, but kind of like my training partner. And um, he's like, come on, you're going to run the Boston Marathon with me next year. And I thought he was joking, but of course, you know, I started training and I ran like a 5k and then I signed up and ran a half marathon. And then the opportunity to run the Boston Marathon was presented to me because, you know, my former boss, Ken, he runs for a charity and the charity is the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. And he said, you know, you can be part of our team. Um, we raise money for Dana-Farber and we run uh, the Boston Marathon. So I joined the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute um, team and started training. And of course, the Boston Marathon in 2020 was postponed. Yes. Um, so while I was like rip roaring and ready to run in April, um, had to do a couple more months of training um, to run it in September. Um, but I did, I finished uh, the Boston Marathon uh, in September, which was pretty cool and did it in my fastest marathon time, which was even cooler um, and raised $8,000 for the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. So that was all, all good. Wow. That, like icing on the cake, cherry on top, you raised money on top of all of that training all that hard work. I don't know what was harder to go through. <laughs> Cancer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, oh I... my gosh. But what an inspiration that is like what drive you had to have had. And like, honestly, I think if you could overcome cancer, 26.2 miles is piece of cake, right? <laughs> Not a piece of cake, but, you know, <laughs> I'd definitely rather run another marathon <laughs> than oh deal with the whole cancer thing again, right? How so. is, how is um, I'm curious now, the person who kind of nudged you to run, like any pieces of advice? Because when you go for these long runs with somebody, you know, there's time to talk, you know? Right. So any kind of encouraging words or conversations that kind of spewed out of these long runs? Yeah, I mean, it just you run out of things to talk about after a while. But you know, uh, my former boss, Ken Sher, I'll give him a shout out. Um, you know, he's retired. Um, he teaches as an adjunct uh, at the school that I work for. So, and so you know, we talked about work and school and families and you know, craziest travel stories. <laughs> and you do, you do, you really get to know someone pretty well. So, I'm thankful that I had a training buddy. I probably wouldn't have like kept pushing on if I didn't have someone like pushing me. Also, you know, like hey, texting me, hey, did you do your 17 mile training run this week? And like, oh no, I only got in 10. <laughs> You know, yeah, so. yeah. No, I love that you said someone pushing you onward. Like, how, how was this fight that you've gone through cancer? Like, just take it backwards a little bit. But like, in your fight for cancer, like, who's helped you push on the days that you did want to throw in the towel? You you didn't want to mom it that day. You didn't want to wife it that day. You didn't want to go to work that day. Like, how? Who has been your support system and how have they helped you kind of pick you up when you're at your weakest? You know. Right. Like if you would have asked me before cancer, like, who's your support system? I would have been like me, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm, my, I'm, I'm my support system. What do you mean? Um, but like you, like I said, I'm a control freak and there's no way I definitely, I could have done any of it, you know, without help. Um, so like even, even like Nick being my partner, being able to like help me 
like let me sleep in, you know, after treatment the next like couple of days when you're super tired, like getting to sleep in till 10 or 11, which sounds crazy. But like when you can't get out of bed, you can't get out of bed. Like you can't. Right. Uh, we had like we had like a 13 month old at that time. So he slept through the night mostly, but there were nights he definitely got up and, you know, I wasn't really that great at getting up with him at that time. So like massive shout out to Nick and like my mom and my sister were helpful. Um, just like picking up medications and going to my treatments with me. My mother-in-law was here to watch my kids every day because I worked through chemo. So, um, you know, I'm lucky enough that I was able to work from home for like the day or two after each treatment so that I could kind of make some recovery time and like not have to get dressed and showered and, <laughs> you know, drive right. into work and all those little extra things. But, um, um, you know, my mother-in-law was here to watch my kids and then she would do my laundry and do my dishes and run my vacuum cleaner and, you know, did all these things I didn't ask her to do, but I definitely needed help with. Um, and just my friends, my friends like set up this, like taking turns of bringing me to treatment and making me laugh the whole way through. So like, I wasn't thinking about what was being like flushed through my body. And instead I was just focused on like laughing while they, told funny stories and, you know, all that kind of crazy stuff. So I definitely like had a great support system. Lots of people would bring me food. And so like, I wouldn't have to cook for my family. My best friend, Sarah was bringing me food like every, after every treatment, which was just great. So, so many good people in my life and I couldn't have done it without them. Like I had this massive support system, even outside of like my family, like people, people from my the church that I grew up in that I don't go to anymore because I don't live in that town, you know, and I don't live in, you know, anywhere near my hometown anymore. But like, even they were like reaching out and being supportive and they raised money for my run and just like this crazy, like wide net of support. And it was amazing. It's funny how God does that thing where like, he knows exactly what you need, although you can't see how it's going to happen. It's like that control thing, like letting go and letting God in is like sometimes one of the hardest lessons. I know I I think I'm still learning. I'm still being a good student. I think <laughs> yeah. where I'm like, okay, God, you're teaching me something here. And sometimes a lot of times he's like, Jack, you got to let go. And I feel like he's really good at, at helping us and giving those, giving us those people along our path, almost like in your marathon, like how they, people have cheered you on, you know, right yep. when you needed it the most. And he's so good at like intertwining that, that only you can say mm, only God, right? <laughs> Right. Like it just, it, it was really fantastic. It was just heartening to see like how many good people there are in this world. Yes. And I think that, oh my gosh, yes. If anything, that's an eye opener for all of us. Like there's so good, much good in the world, you know, even when you're facing so much adversity, like you can still see the good that's inspiring. Right. Yeah, for sure. And so I guess are you going to do another marathon? Like what's the next thing on your list? I mean, you're pretty much one of the most courageous women I've ever met. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I, I probably, yeah, I'm sure I will. Like the running bug is still strong in me. I'm sure I'll definitely, you know, try something else if it's a marathon or, or, you know, a triathlon or something. I don't know what's up my sleeve yet, but I'm, I'm just a person that kind of, sets these lofty goals and like <laughs> just tries to reach them. And I don't always get there gracefully, but I, I usually get there. So <laughs> <laughs> I like your tenacity. <laughs> I think um, sometimes do you think it's more like just proving yourself that you can do it? Or you think like, it's just something you just, 
there's no way you're not going to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just, I don't know. I think I'm stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good thing to have. I think, you know, don't back down, right? Right. What would you tell our listeners right now? Um, you know, your story along with your story and so on, like what's the hope for them if they're facing um, not just breast cancer or, or another type of um, sickness or illness or disease, you know, like anything we're going through that's hard in life, like what is your hope for them? Because let's face it, you've gone through a lot of hardship. Um, running can teach us lots of lessons and so can our faith. So uh, what's your hope for someone listening here? So, I mean, I just hope that whoever's listening and, you know, dealing with something challenging that you can kind of cling on to something that's a bright spot and just try to keep your focus there. Um, You know, I don't think I could have gone through all of this if I wasn't like singularly focused on getting better for my kids so I could see all those like good times in their lives. So, and, you know, not everyone is going to have like that type of a diagnosis too. Like, so it's hard to even say that, but you know, in my, in my case, it was like, I'm going to have all of these hard days. I have to go through all of these surgeries. I have to deal with all this treatment, but you know, all of these dark hours, if you want to call them that are so that I can have bright days ahead. So like I, my sole focus was just getting better for my kids. And that's all I just kept thinking like on those hard days. I love that you said that. That is so, I like literally just quick, like jotted that down. Like through the dark hours, you got to look up because you want to get to those bright hours ahead. I mean, wow. Right. So many of us deal with so many hard things and I don't know what you're going through today, you guys who's listening, but uh, I mean, wow. You know, you might be going through a dark hour, dark moment, dark hot minute, <laughs> like your house might be a mess and your kids are screaming. I mean, who knows what the severity of it all is in our lives. Um, but perspective, right? Like um, there are bright hours ahead and there's bright moments ahead and you just got to keep putting one foot in front of the other is what I'm thinking. Yeah. There, there definitely are bright days ahead. Absolutely. Just try to keep focused on that. Yeah, you can do it. <laughs> right. Um, well, thank you so much for, for telling us about your story and, I love the fact that you're like, y'all be your own advocate and, uh, you know, get yourself women, come on, get yourself checked and, and go through those uh, preventive care, um, programs and screenings. And, um, so really that you can not only save your life, but maybe even, uh, you know, knowing more about your own family history so that you can save your own kids' generations lives. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Like, don't be afraid, um, you know, to get any of these preventative tests done, you know, it's definitely worth it to do something a little bit scary now rather than face something majorly scary later. Yeah. Young, old, whatever age you are, like get yourself there. Let's face our fears today, this month, (laughs) set up the schedule right now, put it in your calendar, make a memo. (laughs) Yep. And let's do it. Let's do it. Right. Yep. And make sure you're feeling your boobies and getting your yearly mammograms and just taking care of that health because it's, you know, I think the statistic is like one in five or one in six women in their lifetime will get breast cancer. So, you know, again, most of those cases are when you're older, but it definitely does happen in young women. So just keep yourself, you know, keep making sure you understand your body and advocate for yourself when you feel like something's off. Wow. That's great advice. Really solid advice. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you came on the podcast. You're a survivor. You're one of thousands beating this. 
And that's just so encouraging. And no one said it would be hard, but it's not impossible either. And I'm just praying for all of you guys out there who are surviving, going through those dark hours, bright hours up ahead. You guys are awesome. And um, today I am wearing pink for our cause that is worth fighting for and generations to come, if for that matter. Wait, hang on. I want you to know that you are so important and I love your feedback. I do a lot of talking and writing and there's no better way to keep the conversation going than hearing from you. Yes, you. If you go to jackiebrindle.wixsite.com, you can comment, email, and subscribe. It's a great way for us to stay connected and for you to have a library full of encouraging content made with a purpose to help drive your life in a positive direction. That's Jackie Brindle, J-C-K-I-E, Brindle, B-R-I-N-D-L-E, dot Wix site slash my site dot com. Now there's a mouthful. Now go there. Now. Yes. Now. And be encouraged. <laughs>